And we are back for another episode of Add 10 More. We're adding 10 more because y'all liked the first episode we did on this, so we're back again. Just like a pump guy. It's like, I can hear rocks. <laughs> Give me 10 more. <laughs> so here we are. Here we are. This segment, if you missed the first one, uh, is where we dive deep into industry-related issues, topics, trends, what have you, so you, the listener, is properly informed that way you can sound smart around your friends. I'm joined with the boys, as usual, Paul and Joey. Joey, what's up, man? Oh, it's good. Everything's uh, good here at the house. Turkey season coming up, so I've got about four days worth of stuff to get done and about two and a half, so we're good. <laughs> I feel that, yeah. Joey and I live in parallel universes. When, when turkey season is upon us, that also means racing season is upon us, and PTO is about to get used. So, <laughs> oh man, Paul, what's up? You good too? Yeah, man. I asked Chat GPT three what it knew about the Add Ten Gallons uh, Concrete Podcast, and it said that we are a niche concrete podcast with a large following, with five thousand monthly downloads. And I was like, you know what? I, I like you, Chat GPT three. I like that you think we got five thousand downloads per month. That was really nice of you to say that, and uh, we're gonna roll with that. If our AI overlords think that we have 5,000 monthly downloads, we will tell every, anyone willing to advertise on this show, uh, that'll be the, the number we go with. We'll go with five grand. <laughs> right. We're putting out one episode, two episodes a month, 5,000. That, that's uh, that's 2,500 downloads for, you know, that would be a pretty, pretty nice number. Well, thanks a lot, listeners. We really appreciate you. And uh, <laughs> I also appreciate the kind of clout we have on the internet now, thanks to the chat GPT. Um, so yeah, so you you guys are doing good. Everything's good. I'm good. We're good. But there is a riff among the concrete industry that we find uh, pretty entertaining, and we want to want to bring it to you people here. Um, the title of this episode, of course, is Vulcan versus CMEX, and uh, it was a battle royale about uh, two to three weeks ago. So starts in a a, a distant land called Mexico. Uh, Playa del Carmen, Mexico, to be exact, and Vulcan Materials has a port terminal there. They operate this port terminal through a subsidiary of theirs uh, by the name of Calica. Uh, they claim that Mexican security forces illegally took possession of, uh, of this property. They were accompanied by CMEX, and uh, the Mexican authorities uh, executed an armed seizure of the property. And this happened on March 14th. So CMEX has an existing contract with Calica, uh, and they state that they've had this uh, for 20-plus years. From what I gathered, it, it's not a, a written contract in the sense of, you know, they renegotiate every couple of years. It's basically a, we've been doing business with Calica for 20 plus years and we have uh, every, every right to this property because they said we could be here. And Vulcan says, no, 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 not so fast, not so fast. Um, and during this process, CMEX has been, had been renegotiating this contract with Calica through Vulcan and they've been working on this for, for several months with little to no success CMEX then filed a civil lawsuit granting access to the terminal, and then they claimed that Calica disregarded the injunction order. So CMEX said, you know what, we're going to go get a legal warrant. And on March 14th, they showed up with said legal warrant accompanied by some armed Mexican forces, and they said, uh, this is our house now, um, and, and we're going to use it as such. 
So that's basically how this thing started. CMEX thought that they had a right to the property. Vulcan disagreed. CMEX went and took legal action, and the uh, the Mexican authorities came in there, guns ablazing. Of course, there's some political history here, right? So the Mexican president, his full name is Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador. President Obrador, uh, he's currently building this tourist train project, okay? And this particular project is his pet project, um, and Vulcan is supplying the material for this, uh, cement, rock, other materials. And the president alleges that Vulcan extracted and exported materials without the approval of the Mexican government. Now, this has been going on for several years as well. So basically what I gather from that is the president's mad at Vulcan because Vulcan is extracting materials from Mexico and selling it, and he's probably shorting the project that he's on because, you know, that's the world we live in now where no one gets as much cement, sand, and rock as, as what they're promised. The Mexican government might not be uh, unique in this regard. That's what I get from it when I'm reading between the lines. So there's that dispute or riff in the background that might play a role in this and give the Mexican government enough incentive to use military force to help CMEX gain control of the property and assets that had been owned and, and controlled by Vulcan. Um, so then, of course, American politics gets involved. The senator from Alabama, Katie Britt, Alabama is important here because that's where Vulcan is uh, headquartered. Katie Britt comes in, guns ablazing, because uh, she <laughs> she's a little bit of a firecracker anyway. But then the way the political landscape is here in America, you're never if you're a Republican, especially you're never going to pass up an opportunity to take a shot at Mexico. And she, she certainly does so. And, quote, this forcible seizure of private property is unlawful and unacceptable. It's shameful that this Mexican presidential administration would rather confiscate American assets than the fentanyl killing hundreds of Americans per day. Went straight to the fentanyl. <laughs> went, went straight to the goods. <laughs> she continues... Mexico should be more focused on going after the cartels than law-abiding businesses and hardworking people. President Biden must raise this directly with President Lopez and assure the American people that this will not be tolerated. The ramifications of this illicit seizure extend into the United States, significantly hamstringing important American infrastructure, energy, and other construction projects that currently rely on Vulcan's operations in Mexico for materials. My office and I continue to monitor the situation and ensure that this is not swept under the rug. So, like I said, never, never pass up an opportunity to kick Mexico in the fentanyls. Um, so they, she certainly did that, even through President Biden's name in there as well. But she was fired up because Vulcan was shut out of their own property uh, for over two weeks. This started on April. Uh, this started on March fourteenth, and. They didn't reach a temporary agreement until March 28th, so Vulcan didn't come back onto their property. That's two full weeks where they weren't able to extract and export materials um, all over the world, especially to the United States. During this time, Vulcan had some ideas of their own through a, a different perception, as you would imagine, but they went on to, to make a statement saying that there is no contract permitting CMEX's use of the property. Uh, they knew that the current contract uh, expired on December 31st, 2022, 
there was talks and negotiations, but they couldn't reach a deal. And they knew that at the end of that deal, there wasn't a contract. So they didn't have a right to the property is where Vulcan stands on things. Uh, CMAX, of course, said, well, we had uh, an agreement that spans 20 years with Calico. To me, that sounds like a handshake deal, which there's a time and a place for that. I don't think this is said time or place. But uh, Vulcan's statement on the 21st says that the military had not presented a court order or warrant for entry on the property, which actually goes contradictory to CMEX's claims that you know they went through the proper legal courses and then the Mexican government and their uh, military and uh, police forces helped them gain control of the property because they had a legal right to do so. So uh, certainly a he said, she said there. And then uh, about a week after those statements came out, a temporary deal was reached. A long-term deal has not been found yet, but uh, is the, the talks are ongoing. And forces, the Mexican forces have evacuated the property, and Vulcan has uh, been given access to the property once again after a full two-week shutdown. What do you think? Where are we at? How much uh, how much of that story do you think is because CMEX is Mexico based and Vulcan is not? All of it, <laughs> every little bit of it. <laughs> can I can I give just a little bit more history? Absolutely. On this case, yeah. All right. So it actually goes back um, to 2021, and then in July of 2021, there was starting to be some rumblings of coming from the the actual Mexican government painting the Vulcan site as being not environmentally friendly. And so supposedly the story goes, they've been mining it for 30 years. Everything was fine environmentally. Suddenly it's no longer fine environmentally. Uh, and so why the sudden shift? And Josh mentioned the president's uh, pet project, that train, that tourist train is getting absolutely hammered by progressive activists who are saying that it is destroying the environment and it should not be built. So that that project's actually been paused. So there's a theory out there that people are saying the government's trying to to shift people to, to something else and say, no, no, you should be focusing on them. They're actually the bad people. And Vulcan's like, what the heck are you talking about? Like, we, we pass our environmental inspection every year. And in fact, uh, rolling into 2022, so we're talking March of 2022, they received their most recent environmental stamp of approval. They get like every three years, they got to go through a recert. They got their cert, good to go. And that was March of 2022. And then all of a sudden in May of 2022, the government comes back in and their version of the EPA shows up May 2nd. And they say, you need to halt this. We found evidence of you not being environmentally friendly. You're damaging the subsoil. You're damaging the water. It's irreparable. You guys are horrible. And they stayed for three days. And then at the end of the third day, they're like, yep, we confirmed all the things we knew you were guilty of when we walked on the property. You have to shut this place down. And, uh, and they actually prevented them from mining back in 2022. They shut down a portion of the mine and said, well, you can still transport the rock out of that mine that you've got sitting on the ground well then uh, like a couple days later the president flew over the mine or his people flew over the mine and said oh they're still shipping material out of there and we told them you know they had to shut down their operation 
So now he's like even more furious. So it was like a little bit of like miscommunication. Like, hey, you said we could ship this out of here because we've already mined it. And, you know, now you're mad that we're shipping out of there. He literally said, you know, they're defying a direct order from the president. So like super, super upset. So it's actually been like part of the aggregate shortage that we've been seeing in uh, t- South Texas, in the Florida panhandle, even as far over as Jacksonville and Georgia, like that shortage that we're seeing of rock, it's because this quarry has been shut down since May of 2022. It's been absolutely hammering the United States. And so one of the things I did was I went back and found the lawsuit that was filed by Vulcan against the Mexican government. I mean, it literally lists the president of Mexico as like one of the things. I, you know, it's interesting. You see stuff sometimes like uh, Missouri v. Biden, and you, know, you see these court cases play out. Uh, this is the first one I've ever... I've ever seen that is uh, like lists like a foreign president in the lawsuit. <laughs> so that was kind of interesting. But uh, so anyway, it details how he, he started ramping up those attacks in 2021, you know, saying, oh, they're, they're, they're not environmentally friendly. Then they actually started delaying the renewal of their customs permit. And then they suspended their customs permit. So now not only have they shut down the mine, but they shut down their ability to ship because they don't have the ability uh, to, to ship out of there legally. And then in January 2022, there was a formal campaign launched by the president against the Vulcan operation. In February of 2022, he actually ramped up that campaign. And then in March of 2022, uh, that's when they start saying like, all right, He's just trying to deflect from the criticism of his own project. And then in May of 2022, that's when he shuts down their operation. So it's been like super aggravating to Vulcan. And then all of a sudden, in March of 2023, CMEX, who's like, hey, we should be able to operate in your port. And they're like, we can't even mine anything. Like, like we don't have a customs agreement. We don't have anything. Like, you, you don't have an agreement with us. Like, things are crazy. No. And then all of a sudden, that, that, that ends up being the pretext for the Mexican government to come in and seize the property. So sounds like a coordinated effort to me. That's what we do here. We speculate. Uh, I think if you put your conspiracy theory hat on, it sounds to me like a, a bit of a coordinated attack. I love it. I love these kind of stories. I hate that it has such an effect on American businesses and, and the American concrete industry in itself. I mean, we've, I mean, us, we, ActGel has even been affected because we're trying to work with companies down in the, around the Gulf states. And they're like, well, listen, our rock got cut by two thirds. I, I, I can't make, <laughs> I can't make enough concrete now as it is. I don't know what I'm going to do. So we're seeing that all over the place down there. And this is a, you know, a direct result of politics essentially. And y'all know how I feel about politics. Um, <laughs> if you need, if you need something messed up, send in the politicians. Well, it's interesting. Like we were reading the politician statement. You had Katie Britt, uh, Tommy Tuberville. Look, I mean, I don't know if this is because I'm an Alabama fan. He coached for years at Auburn, so I, I think he's you know missing half his brain cells. But every time this dude talks, I'm just like I get, I just feel bad. Like I'm I'm from the state of Alabama. This guy represents my family in the Senate, and I just I just don't know that he ever has any clue what he's talking about. His, You're his so state. incredibly biased, though. Can, can we acknowledge this? <laughs> I mean, I tried to deflect that at the beginning. Um, it just means more. Yeah, yeah he's on my team, right? I, he's on the American team trying to talk 
smack against uh, against the Mexicans for taking over an Alabama company. But then, like, he immediately, like, pivots into, like, this is all the president's fault. I told the president to stand up to them, but he didn't do it. He buried his head in the sand. I'm like, now is not the time, brother. Like, we need to get rock. And, you know, Josh and Joey and I have lived this aggregate shortage for the last year. It has been absolutely crazy how short everyone is. They're loading up, just like in case people aren't aware, like they're loading up rock in Birmingham into rail cars to ship down to Florida. Rock yeah. in rail cars to Florida. Like if, you, if you're not familiar with geography and how far away that stone is, because this isn't this isn't specialty product projects. We're talking about sidewalks here. Yeah. Like this isn't like some like oh I need this perfect white stone. No no no. We're talking about absolutely regular gray concrete that they're shipping like 700 miles or more in a rail car because they can't get rock from anywhere and we got things to build. And so now's not the time to be taking pot shots at the other side. Like I, I want Tommy Tuberville who probably doesn't even know what's going on on this. Let's be honest to like, just to come out there and actually help. And uh, otherwise just, just be quiet, bro. Politicians drive me crazy. Have y'all heard uh, what that rock is costing? No, I, I don't know. I don't know what the cost is. I think it's one of those things where like whatever it costs, it costs. Cause yeah. you either, Pouring concrete or not pouring concrete. It, it was that bad. Jo- Josh was working with a guy uh, out in Jacksonville. Do you remember what his ration was, Josh, on how much stone he was getting per week? The volume number specifically escapes me, but I do know it was a tenth. It was one-tenth of what wow. he would, would normally consume otherwise. Mm-hmm. Golly. Yeah, he was like, I can. He's, yeah, he was like, I can do 150 yards a week. There's <laughs> something crazy. Well, yeah, you're putting what 1,800 pounds of stone usually, in like a regular old 3,000, 4,000 mix. Yep. And I asked yeah, something about something like eighteen hundred. I asked about the cost because you know we know people that are getting sand shipped from a hundred miles away, and some of those prices are you know high twenties, low thirties, and I can't imagine what rock is costing having to ship that far. Yeah, it's hard to know with rail rates. It's hard to know you know some of those sands we know were being delivered by barge. I mean, there's it transloaded. There's no there's really no telling how expensive that rock is. So. Uh, if, if you're a listener of the Ad Ten Pod and you're in Florida and you can tell us these numbers uh, and, and what you're paying and billing for a yard of concrete these days, just I'm talking like gray mud here, nothing, nothing crazy. We'd love to know what that number. Footer mixes costs today with the old SEC mixes costs. <laughs> Golly, that's wild. And and compound that, uh, did those guys down in Florida have the cement issues like we've had in other places? Yeah, absolutely, hundred percent. Same, God. same deal. So even if they had rock, you know, the cement issue hit different places differently. Yeah, because some like if you're over in like a Jacksonville, let's say, you got cement plants right across the road in yeah. South Carolina. So and you've got well, you got cement plants in Florida too. But guys in the Panhandle seem to be just getting the worst of every end of it. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah, and all these factors are compounding as well, right? So if you're having to you know freight things in from several states away let's be honest the rail industry isn't doing real well right now um and then and then on top of that you're you know you're talking about not being able to mine in mexico and extract goods from there but mining permits are pretty scarce in our own country as well especially with the current administration so there's so many so many economic factors at play here that just hits the concrete industry from all different angles at once it's it's a perfect storm really 
it's not the first time though that we've encountered issues with Mexican government uh, affecting our jobs because there was a handful of years ago that we were down in Mexico or I was uh, about to do some shotcrete work at a mine and I think it was like the local government that shut that place down like as soon as I landed and <laughs> our guy on the ground down there he picked me up from the airport he was like hey I've got bad news uh we can't do the shotcrete demo. I was like, what, why, what happened? He goes, the government, they shut the mine down. I said, what, what happened there? He goes, is somewhere along the lines of just corruption and apparently uh, the Mexican Tony Soprano come to collect his bill and somebody didn't have it. Probably got their kneecaps slapped with a piece of rebar. <laughs> Paul, you want to give your South African story? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I think we can save that for another pod. I want to talk here about the uh, how this thing gets resolved. You know, I don't. You know, you're saying they're coming back to the table with the short term agreement. Did you get any details on that short term agreement? Well, basically, the short term agreement it's it's essentially a continuation of the old agreement that expired uh, December 31st at at the end of 2022. Basically, it's a continuation of that while they hash out a long-term deal. I was not able to find, however, if there was a an expiration date to that extension. Like, I don't know if they're extending it through Q2 or at the end of 2023. I wasn't able to find how long they're going to be working on this long-term deal before they reach a point where they're like, this isn't going to work out. You can't use this port again. Yeah, it's it's interesting because Vulcan's got two businesses. It sounds like going at this site where you have the quarry operation, but then they also have the port operation. Right, and so the, the quarry's been shut down. Yeah, uh, but the it sounds like they're still operating a port, and so CMEX is getting action to that while they're still in the legal system trying to get that uh, that quarry open back up. What's the timeline on that pet project of the president's? Yeah, Joey, the train is uh, supposedly going to create up to 715,000 new jobs by the year 2030 when it's uh, when it's actually up and running full bore. You know, the, the tourism agency in Mexico is saying they're going to lift a million people out of poverty. It's this great big thing. It's a $20 billion project. That's with a B. And, of course, it's already billions of dollars over budget and behind schedule. And all that fun stuff, but that's to be expected when you're talking about a 900-mile train going from the Yucatan Peninsula all the way up to Playa del Carmen. So the like when the activists are yelling about it, like what they're talking about is there is jungle out there that has basically been untouched since the days of the Mayans, and this train's going to split that jungle right in two. And so you know you got people that are that are upset about that, and I. I personally, like, I can't understand, I, I, I can't make the logical leap, and maybe this is, this is my fault because I just don't live in this world, but I can't make the logical leap of a president of Mexico getting heat for a project, and he's like, uh, don't look at me, look at them, and, and takes over an American business. Like, that like, shuts down an American business. Like, that, that to me, like, like, we can be mad at two things at once, man. <laughs> like, if I'm, a, if I'm an environmental activist, I can be mad at two things at once. Like, I, you know, it's not going to stop giving you heat just because you point at some other bad actor. I, I, don't, I don't know. I just don't understand that logic. So I'd like to know what more is going on behind the scenes. You know, the details we're not going to get because we're not in those closed rooms with the cigar smoke where people are talking smack. 
but I'd like to be in those meetings, find out what's this guy really thinking about. Why is he shutting this thing down? Is he going to allow them to open back up and quarry again? We, we need that rock, man. We need that rock. So what is it? What's it going to take? Is he doing this to affect the U.S.? Is he purposefully doing that? Is he getting directions from China to harm U.S. construction industry? I mean, how deep are we going with this conspiracy, boys? Or the cartels got something to do with it. I mean, they got a hand in literally everything else down there. Why not get involved with a, a railroad? Why not? Yeah. 100%. Putting this bluntly, that's who really runs Mexico, and it's it's no secret. So you're, you're, you're spot on there. I'm sure they have some involvement to some to some degree, but... What is the real benefit of a 90-mile-an-hour train going through the jungle? Okay, well, the so despite the concerns about, like, the ecology and stuff, there is a lot of support among the local people that are in the southeast of Mexico. So, like, you've got all these towns with people who have cultures and they have these small little towns, but there's no dollars coming into them, right? So, you, so like, if there's going to be economic activity in these small uh quaint towns they're, they're kind of having to, de- to fend for themselves or having to travel to big cities to sell and, and trade and different things but what if you could bring people to them yeah. like what if what if a train shows up to their cute little town with these brightly colored houses and there's a place for people to stop and and eat and dine and, and maybe even eventually stay and you have a way to create economic activity there uh, in in these lands where nobody's nobody's showing up right nobody's nobody's traveling to places out in southeast mexico but but you could with this train and theoretically they would make it so that it was safe and to me that is got to be the mindset of the mexican people even the president we're saying this is why we're doing this i'm gonna i'm gonna keep going and we're gonna make mexico a, a vibrant tourist destination outside of playa del carmen yeah that's kind of what i was thinking too like how much tourism does Mexico get aside from, you know, the resorts on the beaches and stuff like that? Like, you don't see much stuff going on inland uh, from Mexico or Central America, you know, for tourists. We've been, or I've been to those places. <laughs> the the, the not-so-nice places away from the beach where they have all the concrete stuff going on. But you put a train down through there and charge a nominal fee. You get American dollars pumping into those mainland Mexican communities, it's got to help some people. Well, this type of project, too, is the type of project that, like, you hear sometimes uh, espoused in the U.S. of, like, we're going to do all this great stuff, and it's going to create jobs, jobs, jobs. Well, this is actually doing that. So, like, for example, as the construction moves into the southeast of Mexico, they're not taking the same workers they had in, in one part and having these guys stay in hotels. They're hiring local people and training them and giving them good High-paying jobs, you know, this thing's going to take 10 years to build. So this guy's for however long that section of rail is in an area they can travel to easily, then they're, they've got a good job, and it's it's bringing money into their doors, into their families, and then once it's actually established, you have, like, a long-term economic benefit for those regions. And I bet you they're having a way less harder time filling those positions than we would up here right now. Like, imagine... <laughs> well, well, no, seriously. No, imagine, like... If you're trying to make, what was the number of jobs that that thing was going to create? 700-something thousand? A million. Yes, a million people come out of poverty, 750,000 jobs. Could you imagine? Let's just imagine if we had a project in the States right now that needed a million people to work for it. Could we even fill that thing? 
or what percentage do you think we could even fill it with good people that are going to stay? Yeah, I'll wait. <laughs> <laughs> I think this all does get solved um, on the train side. I think they're just going to plow ahead. I, think, I don't think there's any way you're stopping the government from no. moving ahead on this train project. And good, good for them. It's probably the right thing to do. Uh, it's the right thing to do for the people. And let's be honest, like that, that's, that's what you got to look at here. But with the Vulcan quarry, I, I really don't know. I, re, I really don't know what's going on behind the scenes that we're not getting told. That is the reason for that closure. It can't be as simple as you are in, uh, in a, still in court proceedings with NAFTA that's been going on since 2018. And so because that hasn't been resolved, we're not going to, give you a custom certificate and so uh we're going to come in and oh we suddenly find that you know after years of doing everything correctly oh and by the way we certified you two months ago but now today uh after this random inspection where we stayed for four days you're now not in compliance we're going to shut the entire thing down it just nothing on the surface makes sense the complaints from our u.s politicians are completely surface level uh, the, the tit for tat with CMEX, like we started this thing, that that was absolutely real and I'm glad that's being resolved. But there's the quarry shutdown is actually the big, the big story to me. And it's what's impacting the United States the most. And I really would like to see that resolved. Yeah. Well said, well said. I mean, it, it's, it's ancient politics at work, really. There's a lot we don't know, but the diversion smoke and mirror stuff, I mean, those are political tactics that were that have been outdated with the advent of social media and the internet. Basically anybody can be a journalist if they dig hard enough and that kind of diversion smoke and mirror stuff, it just doesn't work the way it used to. Um, so, you know, to your point, Paul, I, I really hope that the Mexican government can, can get past all of that. And, and like we said earlier, you can be mad at more than one thing at the same time, more than one thing can be true at the same time, right? This rail project that's under attack by, you know, either political activists or environmental activists, you know, that project can be a net benefit and a net gain for the country of Mexico. But that can also happen in its own little vacuum without hurting the the quarry and export of essential materials that we need in this country for our own construction industry. Like, I, I have no idea how these two things, well, I do. But these two things do not have to be lumped together and not everyone has to suffer because they're having an issue with, with their project. It's immensely frustrating, but it's politics, man. That's politics in a nutshell. Well said, brother. I think, uh, I think we covered this for the people. Yeah, I believe we did. Uh, we set out to, to make these add 10 more segments about a half hour or so. Uh, and that's probably what this thing's going to wrap up at. Uh, to keep the people more informed and to get them interested in, uh, you know, topics and discussions that we're interested in. And by all means, this isn't the end of this story. We urge every one of our listeners that, you know, keep your eye on this because it, it definitely matters. It matters it, not only for Mexico, obviously, but it, it matters for us. It affects a lot of what we're doing over here in the States in the construction industry. So we'll keep our eyes on things. And, uh, you know, there, there are plenty of other topics just like this that we can expound upon and bring you guys some more ad 10 more segments. So you are better informed and properly entertained in the process. So until next time, follow us on all of our social media pages. That's YouTube, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, 
like this podcast, review it, and tell a friend about us. And we appreciate every one of our listeners for listening in. We couldn't do it without you. And until next time, y'all be good.